Welcome to the Business Clubhouse Conversations with me, Ash Taylor, and today I am joined with two great friends of mine, uh, Liz and Chris Baranoff. Hello, Liz. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hello, hello. Good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good as well. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, actually. Not too bad. Sun shining, all the rest of it. Lots of bird song. Um, so uh, do you want to just, uh, let's start with um, giving our listeners a sort of brief introduction to what do you do who do you do it for why do you do it that sort of thing just you know tell, tell us what 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 are the baronovs what is the baronovs it's an interesting uh, way of what, is the <laughs> what is the baronovs what is the baronovs just depend on your perspective but professionally um we are um we trade as baronov associates we're a firm of business growth accountants um and what we mean by that is that we do all of the standard and traditional um, year-end accountancy jobs, so year-end accounts, um, tax returns, corporation tax returns. We also obviously do personal tax returns, um, but we also get involved with businesses who have aspirations of growth. So we can help them go through the process of working out where they are now, where they want to be, and working out how to fill that gap. Um, we can help businesses from any size. Um, the biggest thing for us is that aspiration. And that's where we get our enjoyment from. Um, Chris has been working as a, an outsourced FD for various clients for many, many years now. He'll appreciate you not overplaying the many. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've seen lots of different situations and can offer a lot of different support to different businesses depending on what they need. Yeah, that's a good summation. Ah done this before yeah <laughs> I, I suspect Liz does most of the pitching in your business doesn't she <laughs> <laughs> I point, at that point I go squarely all to you yeah <laughs> I, I, I deal with things of a more technical nature and getting down to the nitty-gritty with the client so absolutely yeah so, so that's a, so that's a really good I mean it's a great place to start because that's a really interesting partnership because I, I spend a lot of time working with I mean I think probably about 20 percent of my client base is made up of couples and one of the things that we end up spending a lot of time working on certainly um, early days in, in a relationship with them is helping them identify the roles that they play because there's so much inefficiency because they're both trying to do everything so they overlap and when you actually define the roles that, okay, you're responsible for sales, you're responsible for marketing, you're responsible for the numbers, you're responsible for operations, et cetera, things seem to work a lot better. But for you, for you guys, I, I get the impression that very early on, and I know, I know there is a particular reason um, behind this, but although you are, you know, um, Baranov Associates, you, 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 you definitely operate with very clear roles within your business. Do you want to sort of tell us a little bit about that? Well, yes. I mean, that, that comes primarily from the fact that I'm the qualified accountant and Liz isn't. Um, historically, we had another firm of accountants uh, and I bought that from my old boss. And I was the only person who could sign off an audit report of a set of accounts when I took over the business. So it, it necessarily limited what Liz 
could do at that stage within the business. Liz is not limited with what she can do now in any shape or form, but because we fell into necessarily two different roles quite well, it, it was as soon as you took over, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it was. And your roles developed much, much more since that point than potentially mine has. Yeah. But because we had those two, actually one limiting factor, Liz couldn't do the accounts work, I could, it actually became quite easy to, I, to work out our roles. I think the thing is, we've always had those clear roles as well. I mean, my background is obviously very different to Chris's because he is a qualified accountant. He's come through that, that qualification process, whereas my background is much more big corporates, admin, change um, management, database customization. So I'm very much more about process and, and that side of things. So when Chris took over the original business, um, we'd put all our eggs in one basket and we'd always said that I would join him in that business. Um, so I came in and was doing the day-to-day -day admin, but as we grew, um, I stepped into essentially, well, I've always described it as anything non-technical. So uh, all the HR, facilities management, development, networking, and all of that sort of thing, which is why I always talk about what we do because I'm used to doing that in a quite a succinct way. Um, so yeah, we've always had those clear roles. So we've never trodden on each other's toes. Um, we we're both involved enough, particularly now, obviously this business is just the two of us. Um, so we both have very defined roles, both have very clear functions, but we can, we're both close enough that we can comment on what the other one's doing if they want us to. Um, so if, so, for example, if I'm producing something from a marketing perspective, I'll show it to Chris and say, what do you think? What am I missing? What's your take on it? And he's got that objectivity to a point to be able to comment and give an external view. But equally, he's close enough that he's got the right motivation because we're both in this to make it work. So he's, there's no hands-off nature. Um, but he can, you know, he can give me that external viewpoint. And similarly, I can do that with him if he's got not so much obviously with the technical stuff, but if he's got a client concern or you know a client's got a particular situation, he'll occasionally run that by me because I'll give a, a non-technical view and obviously a female perspective and you know all of those things. And you necessarily bring a bit more emotion into it than I I you know I can be quite dispassionate about stuff. So yeah. So yeah we've well, we've we've always found it quite easy to to have those different roles. Mm -hmm. But I think it is paramount. We've helped so many businesses over the years again as you say that family businesses that struggle with that because you do get the different generations and it's really you have to be quite hard with yourselves to leave the domestic issues behind you when you come into the professional environment um, and working from home offices as we do now that can be even more tricky um, when you're walking into an office as we did before where you've got other people and you know another business sharing space at one point you know, it's, it's much easier then because the physical change forces the attitudinal change if that makes sense um, it it's a real it can be a real challenge I think yeah, so it's really, really interesting. And do you think, just following on from that, because I, I find that found that really interesting that, that you, you know, two people so clearly recognise the importance of having those roles. And yeah, to a degree, you fell into it, but very early on, you identified that that, that was a strength you could have. 
And I, I guess, you know, the follow on question for me very much is, do you think it benefits the fact that the business or certainly half of the half of the people that run the business is not an accountant or are not accountants because i i work with a vast majority of the people that i work with have businesses based around what they do so they they are very much technicians trying to be business owners trying is a bit tough but yeah they are technicians you know, learning how to be business owners and marketers and um, their own accountants for themselves and, you know, bookkeepers, certainly. So do you, do you think it makes a difference and helps that, um, and I don't mean this unkindly, but to, to a degree, Liz, the fact that you know nothing account about accounting or certainly didn't has yeah. helped you grow, grow the business and shape it? Yeah, I think so, because definitely when I started, because I started doing networking for us in 2008, um, we were giving a lot of clients advice around um, what they needed to be doing with everything that was crashing around us. And we suddenly looked in the mirror and thought, actually, we need to be doing some of this ourselves. Um, Chris was really busy and didn't really have the capacity to be doing it, all the inclination, if we're honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good standing up in front of loads of people. No. I'll climb up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, it was a case of, well, I wanted, I, I felt we needed to do it. So I had to sort of put my money where my mouth was and, and get on with it. Um, and actually, yes, the fact that I wasn't an accountant meant that I could stand up in a room of business owners and talk about our business in terms that they understood. Um, I was able to, if, if I couldn't understand something that I was talking to Chris about in the office, then there was no way I could stand up and explain it in a networking group. Um, so by necessity, it had to be translated into layperson's terms. And therefore, I think that made it much more accessible to business owners. Um, and I think the fact that um, I, I couldn't offer advice in a networking situation, and there's no, I mean, I know a huge amount more now, um, but I still don't. Um, so in essence, it made it easier to say to people, well, if we're really happy to help but I need to get you to speak to Chris. And it meant that we were building stronger relationships with people um, because they were then speaking to two of us, two representatives of the business. They were getting um, a very consistent message because our strap line in the old business was not all accountants the same because we always had that feedback that we weren't your stereotypical accountants. Um, so yeah, I think it made a huge difference and particularly over the years, it really has. Um, I know when we came back with this business, we had a two-year period where we weren't trading um, after selling the first business. When we came back with this one, it was really surprising how many of those relationships were still there, where people had, had seen us come back on social media and all those sorts of channels and wanted to get in touch because I'd had conversations with them when I'd been on the circuit. They got to know us. The timing wasn't right to move before, but actually it has been right in the well, since we reopened, well, the three years since we restarted. Yeah, so, and, and actually that, that whole sales process, the fact that the sales process was an introduction with Liz, mm -hmm. a building of a relationship with Liz, and then a meeting with me and a building of the relationship with me, I think stood us in really good stead in, in terms of making sure those, those relationships worked really, really well with our, our clients. Yeah. And I think it's I, well. I, it, 
Sorry, go on. No, you, you, carry, you carry on. Carry on. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it works as well once the clients are on board because um, I do all of our communications in terms of our um, emails and I write everything that goes onto the website and all of that sort of stuff. So again, you've got that consistency of message and the consistency of tone. Um, and I see obviously so much in the business that I can put my two penneth in um, and just say, well, hang on a second, you send that email, but I don't actually understand it. So will they understand it? Um, and we, we do um, meetings with, particularly with outsourced FD clients where we, one of us can see the client doesn't quite understand. They almost get that, that glazed look. <laughs> and then I'll ask the question to, to ask Chris to clarify it or to explain it in a different way because I can see that they haven't got it. And it means that they don't then feel vulnerable or as if they're being daft. I can kind of be daft for them, if that makes sense. I, th I think the other thing we've also always made sure that we got the message across to our clients about is there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yeah. You just don't know. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong in not knowing. It just means that you've been in a position where you, you've never come across it before. I, I, I've always felt that my role as an accountant, part of it, yes, is making sure the numbers look right. And yes, you're paying the right amount of tax. But it's also making sure that I've educated you to the best of my ability and to the level that you want in terms of understanding how your business and your numbers work. And without that, I'm not doing my job. I'm just a process person. And I, I, sitting there in my room processing all the time is not interesting. I, I need something in my day-to-day in my -day role that gives me interest. I think as well, it's, it's almost empowering for clients sometimes to, to understand that we can do what we're doing and have been doing for a very long time now um, without me needing to be an accountant. And I think a lot of business owners feel that they're lacking ability and knowledge because they don't understand their VAT, they don't understand the regulation. Well, they then feel much better when I turn around and say, well, no, I don't either. Um, hmm. you know, I, I refer stuff to Chris. Um, I can I can translate questions now and I can answer some of them. I, as I said before, I don't on a lot of cases because I want to make sure, because sometimes someone will ask a question and it isn't actually the right question and it's not actually the question they're meaning to ask. So you do have to delve a little bit deeper to make sure that you're actually ask, answering the full query, if that makes sense. Um, so I think sometimes they're reassured by the fact that I don't know either, but I, we can do what we're doing. And it means they're more confident then to say, to ask the questions um, rather than feel they've got to play smoke and mirrors and got to keep that, or keep up this charade sometimes that they do know more than they do. It, it's, it's really interesting that because there are a couple of things that jump out at me from it. One, you know, I've done a lot of networking myself and it's very, very easy to get sucked into um, almost free delivery. You know, you, you end up giving a lot of yourself away because people, you know, some people will say, oh, I don't suppose you know the answer to this or have you thought about that and so on. And you just answer. But you're you're in a position where you can actually go, well, no, I can't answer um, because to give you advice would be wrong. But, but why, why don't you come into the office and, and, and meet Chris and he will be able to answer, which, as you say, kind of moves the relationship along. And you'll get one of two people in that situation. You'll get the people who are genuinely engaged with you who are prepared to 
take the time and effort to come into the office or have that phone call to get that proper advice. And those will, and, and the other side of the coin, those people who will go, okay, well, I'm not going to get a freebie here. And I had no intention of, you know, changing accountants or taking on an accountant. And you kind of, you're qualifying quite early on in, in, in that respect, I suppose. Um, and that, that's, I think that's a real, that's a real, that's a real strength for you because I think, I think too many people give too much of themselves away and to be able to sort of have that almost as a process now where you, you kind of protect yourself from it is a really, really healthy thing, really healthy thing to have. Doesn't always work though. I do remember when, at the time when you were networking, we spoke, oh, to, yeah. we spoke to one business six times. Yeah. Because <laughs> the thing is, you know, it, the time isn't always right, and you do, you know, you do wonder whether things have moved on and all of that stuff. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it, it does help massively. Um, but yeah, it's it is always an issue. Yeah. So let's so let's let's just go back a little bit, if that's okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the date now, but I'm where are we now? Sort of to, without wanting to date things too much. So 2020, I think. <laughs> um, so so I'm reckoning about 2014-ish back end. I remember a conversation with you, Liz, um, and another friend of ours, Dan Harrison, yeah. at the Hilton wasn't it in Birmingham and we were there with a, a big big conference thing and I can't remember what the conversation was it was towards the end of the day and we're having a little chat and you sort of looked at me and says, said something on the lines of we might need to chat at some point watch this space and and then over the next couple of months I guess it was two three months this thing happened and do you want to just I'm, I'm I think a lot of people will be fascinated one the process as to how this thing this thing happened okay but also what you did in between because the two of you really did just kind of go do you know what let's get off the grid here which is amazing but the way you came the way you came back as well the the you know you told you told me a story about kind of putting out this sort of little social media post and and, and what that led to yeah. when you came back but so yeah take take us back to you know what happened you, you, you okay. I mean you've already said Chris you, you bought a business you, you grew it you built it and then it, it got yes it, it got to the stage where it it ruled our life it really did rule our life and neither of us were were becoming any happier with what what it was taking from us. Um, we, the, the, the day I bought the business, there were, there were four of us, and one of those people was you coming in, in fresh. So yeah. it, was, it was quite a small accountancy practice. And, and, and over the course of 12, 13 years, we've grown it to be a million pound turnover, and there were 17 of us. Now, a million pound turnover for a firm of accountants is potentially four to five million if you're selling widgets uh, because it is all service-based so it requires a large number of quite highly paid individuals to, to work in it to be able to, to do the work and we were finding that it had grown in such a way that it was too reliant on us 
and therefore our our input into the business was longer and longer days uh saturdays and sundays it was soon becoming a, a seven day a week 12 to 14 hour day beast yeah and we realized that this is not sustainable for us um there were so many frustrations, weren't there? And yeah. not, there wasn't one particular thing that prompted us, but we ultimately, we were already starting to feel frustrated. Yeah. And we had an approach from a top 20 firm who were desperate to get a foothold in Berkhamsted, which is where we were. And so we, we had the conversation. I mean, they'd approached us two years previously about merging and we declined because we didn't want to merge because there wasn't a way in the world that we were letting go of control um, at that point. Um, <laughs> you control freak you. Absolutely. Um, well, they, they wanted control of my marketing. It was like, it's never going to happen. Um, so, especially looking at theirs because it's rubbish. Um, so they came back to us and said, you know, had we thought any more about it? And with everything that's going on, an auto-enrollment was just coming in and you know that was a massive thing for accountancy and it was never gonna we were never gonna be able to pass on the costs that were associated with that to clients and just a million and one different things that all contributed to us going do you know what we'd like to have that conversation so we did um, and our conversation Ash that you're talking about was probably early 2015 um, it right. was just we were starting to have those conversations with them um, and do we, don't we, what would that look like? What could we do? What would happen to the team? What would happen to the clients? Um, because we felt very strongly that those two groups of people, specifically the team, had trusted us and had you know, given us a lot of effort. Um, and we wanted to make sure that they were looked after. Um, and the clients as well, you know, they'd, Chris said before that it was very much a business built around us and about our faces and everything yeah. and they, they'd bought into us the clients and we wanted to make sure they were looked after too so we went out to market to probably yeah. and at one point we were speaking to six different firms because we wanted to make sure that we were exploring this properly um, so we signed the deal finally on the 7th of October 2015 yep um, we, ended, we had to do some consultancy uh, to make sure everything was handed over properly. And the way normally a, a, a deal for purchasing a firm of accountants is done is you, you get some money on day one, but it is an earn out. So your clients do have to stay and you get stage payments at the end of year one and the end of year two. Uh, and as a result of that, we needed to make sure that those clients that were passing on to the new owners were going to stay. So we had to give proper information to yeah. the new owners. And that was what the consultant consultancy was all about. Uh, the consultancy only lasted three months. So it's ahead of Christmas. Yeah, tw 22nd of December was our last working day. We left the team as they went off to their Christmas do. And we thought, well, it's not right for us to be part of their Christmas do. Yeah. So we came home and started Christmas early. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> how did it feel? How did it feel um, essentially being an employee for your your business for three months? 
It's really odd. It's very yeah. hard um, because the whole the whole point of that process that period was to be handing over processes and handing over information and making sure that that, that information those processes were well bedded in. And none of our team was going anywhere. And the managing director or the, the person who was going to be managing director had been one a partner of ours. So they'd been three partners in the business. So Chris me and this other guy. Um, so the whole purpose of those three months was to make sure that that handover went well. Um, and in that time, we, we had to learn to have some distance from it and learn to let stuff go. And we <laughs> it was at the time when Frozen came out. And that was our phrase. It was just, let right. it go. go. <laughs> let it go. I mean, we'd been wandering around Sainsbury's and you'd hear, let it go be played and everything else. And it was like <laughs> phrase for three Tesco. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was everywhere. Um, I, I think one of the hardest things in that handover period wasn't necessarily us. We were, we were big enough and ugly enough to, to know this is how it's got to change. It's only for a three month period. But it was harder for our team to understand yeah. that if they had a problem, yes, they could come to me and I would give them advice, but I was always telling them, no, you need to check with the new owners that they're happy for you to do this because it's not my business anymore. No. And that was really, really hard for the team to come, come to terms with. I think they were so used to coming to us. Um, yeah. it, was, it was very difficult that, to to get them used to the fact that we couldn't any longer make decisions. Um, and for us, we had the, we knew, we had the light at the end of the tunnel to, to kind of, to, to keep that as a focus, to be able to say, well, you know, this is coming, we can deal with this in this time. But they were very unsettled, um, naturally so, because, you know, people were coming in and, you know, everything that was going on. Um, they were, you know, we knew that it was going to be the best, it was the best option for them. Some of the other people that we'd spoken to had wanted to break the firm into pieces. They'd wanted some of the team, they'd wanted some of the clients, they'd wanted to move it and everything else. But the people we ultimately went with took over all of the team, all of the clients, the building and everything else. So it was kind of the path of least resistance for yeah. the team and for the clients. And that was our focus the whole way through the process, really. And, and so, yeah, we, we made a compromise in making sure that we did that because we could have earned more gotcha. if we'd sold it to one of the other firms that didn't want all of the staff or yeah. all of the clients. Yeah. So at the end of that time, we we walked away at Christmas and then we kind of kicked our heels a bit for a couple of months. We did some work indoors, um, did some decorating and stuff, you know, catching up on stuff that we hadn't done. We went we, skiing in January for the first time in our life, which as an accountant, you just can't do because January is yeah. just tax returns. It was great. Yeah. Um, it, we, had, we kind of played for a, a couple of months. Um, and then Chris had a phone call from uh, some friends of ours who'd been really long-standing friends and our biggest clients. So he went to work with them for a while. I then was, and that was full time, um, from about the April. Um, I went and joined them shortly afterwards, part time to do their marketing. So I built, sorted out their website and various other things, got them on social media and stuff. Um, and then we bought a motorhome. Um, and we went, we picked that up in March, 2016. 
and spent as much of 2017, sorry, 17. 17. Yeah. As much of 2000, the summer of 2017 traveling as we could and had an absolute blast. That was great. There was a period of 11 weeks where we're here in our house for four days. Yeah. Oh, it's just, <laughs> wow. it was tremendous. That was really good fun. We went all over the place. Um, Europe, obviously. So we did um, Germany, Austria, France. Um, Italy, Luxembourg. Yeah. Scotland. Oh, yeah. Down to Cornwall and the lakes and all sorts of places. Mm. Um, and we just had a really good time. Um, and it was over that time when we started to think, well, we needed to do something um, because we hadn't got enough, obviously, to just retire forever, which would have been lovely, but um, it just wasn't feasible. So we knew we needed to do something. So we created almost a wish list of what we wanted to have from the new business. So we knew that we wanted to work together because we quite enjoy that and that's worked for us. And we knew that um, it was going to be easier to carry on traveling, which is what we wanted to be able to do and give ourselves the flexibility to do that by working together rather than trying to juggle two businesses in some way. So we created this list and we started to try and think about what we wanted to do and we'd walked away from the old business adamant that we were never going to do accountancy again um, <laughs> and we started to get phone calls from a few people and messages on facebook and that sort of stuff about would we come back would we do would we just help them and initially we we had the absolute get out clause because we had a two-year non-compete um and then we started to think well actually if we did this on a different model, we potentially could do accountancy again because we could build it so that it ticked all the boxes. So we wanted to do it together. Yeah, tick the box. We wanted to do it so that it was all online so that we could do it from anywhere. Yeah, we could tick the box. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to have the opportunity to deal with lots of different people. Well, yeah, that ticks that box. Um, so it, there was there were lots of different features and yeah. to do this in the right way could work one of the things that you wanted was not to be doing payroll and you didn't want to be doing bookkeeping no. um because it had to be a, the, the business had to be structured in such a way that we didn't want to be full-time we're very demanding aren't we um, we didn't <laughs> want to be full-time either so we needed to make the best use of chris's time essentially uh, and make the most yeah. out of it financially so we parked things like payroll and bookkeeping and we found partners that we were able to trust that would be able to provide those services to clients should they need it um and so we decided we could do it um and we opened our doors um early november 2017 and at that point we had no real idea of where the clients would have come from we had a few that had been you know harassing us almost to, to start. Nice place uh, to be. Yeah, exactly. it, it, it was, yeah, but that was never enough to give us enough oh, money God, no. to, to no. be able to live off. So No. Yeah. So we, we spoke to a really good friend of mine who put us up um, a under construction holding page as a website. And we, we used the, the name Baron Associates because that actually was the, the company that we'd put the consultancy fees through that we'd got from the people we'd sold to. And we thought, well, actually, it kind of works because we'd chosen that name just because it had our name in it and we didn't quite know what we were going to do in the future, but it kind of made sense. 
Um, but it works from this perspective because the idea of this business is it's the two of us being the Baranov and then associates is all the other key people that we know that are within our networks that can support business owners to get to where they want to be. So if a business owner needs finance, we know that we can call on the right person. If they need a, um, a, a commercial solicitor, we know we can pull, call on the right person. If they need a business coach, we know we can call on the right person and all of those things. So that's where the associates come, came from. Um, so we went live and we had a phone number, we had an email address and I just put a post onto LinkedIn and said, so this just happened and posted a picture of the holding page. And within five minutes, the phone rang and it was like, Oh, the phone's ringing. Wow. Um, and at that point we had a client who'd been a client for a very long time before we sold, who'd moved to another accountant in the meantime, because he wasn't happy. Um, and he said, we need to talk. I've got four limited companies, five, five limited companies and my sole trade and tax return. And I want you to do them. And there wasn't any discussion really around price. Um, and it kind of went from there. And we now have some capacity um, but we're quite careful in terms of what we do. Um, we're quite choosy in who we take on as well. Yeah, and we've we've held quite true to the goals at that point, which was not to do payroll, not to do bookkeeping, um, to be careful with where we commit our time and what we do. Um, there's loads that we could do and I still have to be very careful personally not to get too caught up and not to go for the new bright and shiny and you know, all the things that I could do because I, we just don't need me to be doing them. Just, just to say this Ash, 95% of the time Liz is my conscience, 5% of the time that example on Liz's conscience. Yeah. I go back and say, no, we don't need them. <laughs> we don't need the clients. Oh, well, I want to do this new thing. I, I, want, to, I want to have a go. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a million one things I could be doing, um, but we don't need them to be doing them. So I have to sit on my hands on occasion. But no, it's great. So, go, so going back to that list, because I find, I find that really interesting, because there's obviously you've got this list of things that you want, that you kind of envis envision. Uh, that the business having, but you've also got a very clear sub list or, a, you know, a side list of the things that you don't want. And I think a lot of people forget that, that they kind of build their goals, build their vision about what they want things to look like, but very rarely actually articulate what they don't want things to look like. And I think sometimes that's the bigger driver because it's really easy to fall back into that kind of trap of trying to do everything and please everybody because that's what um, the, the kind of unspoken expectation is. But when you stick to your guns and you just say, do, do you know what? There are lots of things that we could do. And this, this is the lesson I'm taking from this. And it's something I'm going through at the moment with my own stuff is there's lots of stuff I could offer. There's lots of stuff that we could do. But actually, if you just hold fire and say, do you know what? These are the things, these are the core things that we're really good at. And these are the things that we, we not that we're not necessarily good at them, but we don't want to do because they distract us from the core things that we're really good at. And most importantly, they distract us from being human beings as well as 
accountants, business coaches, whatever it is that we do, you know, running our business, it, it makes decision making so simple. Yeah. So simple. I'd agree with that, but there, there is there is also the opportunity that you do get sucked in. And we we actually found this um, probably nine months into starting the new business. We, we were approached by someone to be their accountant, to be their outsourced FD, to help them with their management accounts preparation on a monthly basis, and it was without doubt the biggest fee I have ever quoted for and we won it and the relationship they were really happy with what we were doing but we weren't happy because it was taking up so much time we got sucked into the working much longer hours yes the money was lovely but we had probably four months of conversations between the two of us is, is this right? Is this working? We set a deadline at one point of three months forward to say, look, we, we don't think it's working. Is it going to develop in the right way? We'll give it three months. And actually we made the decision after probably a month and a half to say, no, this isn't working for us. And we said goodbye to the client. We did it in a nice way. We did it face to face. We'd identified other accountants that we thought would work for them, were people who specialised in, in their industry and could give them ongoing support. But for us, the, the, the amount of time it was taking was too much. We'd, we'd moved away from the core principles that we'd set the business up and we had to make a decision because it wasn't right. Mm. I think the thing was we we did lose sight of it, didn't we? Yeah. And and we got a bit carried away. We'd known them for many years, and there were lots of influencing factors around why we let ourselves really lose sight of what we'd wanted. We we, um, we were persuaded it was a good idea. Yeah, we persuaded each other as well. I think yes, and, yes, we did. You know all of that stuff. And yes, Chris said the money was lovely. Um, and all of those things. Um, but I think having gone through that, we are now much more focused on it. Um, we don't want to go back to where we were. Don't get me wrong. I think if we want, and we've said this several yeah. times, <laughs> if we wanted to build the first business again, we could. I have no doubt about that. We absolutely could. Um, and, but we just don't want to. It's not what we want this time round. Um, will that always be the case? Don't know. Um, the, the potential is there. We we could do it because of, you know, there are so many things that we could be doing with this one that it would be possible to build it again. Um, but we don't want to go there. You know, this time round, it is much more about a lifestyle business, and that's what we need to keep in our own mind. Um, and I think as well, just the fact that we went through that process with that client of saying, you know, really sorry, this isn't working for us. This is what we need to do. This is how we need to step back. This is the three month notice period. And these are what we recommend and all of that stuff. Having gone through that process, we came out of it and thought, well, actually that's worked. They're fine. They're happy. They're settled. They're probably in a better position. Um, they still respect us. They turned around and said that they respected the way we've done it and everything else. They were grateful that we'd been very honest. Um, we came out of it far happier. And I think just going through that process 
kind of proved to us that we can do it and we can hold firm, if that makes sense. Oh boy, were we nervous before that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's always the danger that they turn around and say, okay, well, if we pay you more, it will be okay, <laughs> won't yeah. it? Yeah. We, had, we had had that conversation and we, we kind of, the thing is we've always worked very well between the two of us in meetings and stuff because you know what it's like you must do it with Kay you can look at the other person you know what they're thinking so you know there are times in meetings where we will almost play tag team or whatever else so we were prepared and we'd had the conversations and all the different scenarios and what if they say this and what if they say that and everything else so we were prepared but we kind of came out of there and went Whew, done. <laughs> yeah. We actually drove away from their their their, um, their offices because we were at their offices, yeah. uh, and the drive from there is via the motorway. We we, we went and sat in a uh, a service station. I <laughs> just sat for a while staring at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite nice. Yeah. But I think it's to a degree. Um, because I remember Liz when you did you did a talk at one, uh, one of my events uh, probably 18 months ago now I think it was kind of that, the, the first big get-together we'd done and I remember very very clearly the title of your talk was on our terms yeah and I think everything that you've spoken about today really comes back to that piece of paper and defining what those terms look like and, 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 and I think to a point, you almost had to go through that conversation with that client. I think it, it, it probably, you know, taking on board, taking on, taking on that client, onboarding that client, going through the process, um, working with them to the point where it made you recognize that this really isn't what we want. And it would be really easy to do more of this going through the process of having to you know, let's be brutal, but having to sack them and exit them from, from, you know, working with them, but doing it in the right way is, is a lesson in, in, um, in really reinforcing how important that, that value of on our terms is. Yeah. And we'd had, don't get me wrong. I mean, as Chris said, we were really, we were nervous about having that conversation. Um, because we were worried about our reputation and looking after the client and all of that stuff. But I think that it's, it's an illustration really for any other business owner of the fact that that doesn't become easy. You, that is really hard to keep that focus. We'd had two years to recover from the old business and work out what we wanted from this business. So we had two years of that process. So we were really clear and we still got dragged off track, you know, and we let ourselves get caught off track and we are each other's consciences and we do challenge each other, um, mostly in the right way, um, <laughs> in a constructive way, but you know, we still fell into that hole and, and we sacked clients in the past, in the old business, we used to sit everyone down on a monthly basis and say, right, who, who is on the hit list this month? And we would routinely sack clients who, didn't pay, didn't get their records in, was rude to the staff, whatever it may have been. Um, and so it's, it's not something that was unusual for us, but we still lost sight of our, our terms. So it, it isn't easy and it is something that you do have to keep coming back to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it must help, you know, coming, you know, full circle to the beginning of this conversation, it must help having, you know, and you've, you've articulated it very well, having the two of you in the business, 
because I, I'm sure you experience this as well. M much of the work I do is providing that sounding board for the business owner on, on their own because they don't have that conscience. They don't, they don't have somebody to hold them, you know, within the business. They don't have somebody to hold them to account to those terms and those values and what, what they decided that business was supposed to look like. Um, and it, I think it is, you know, the big lesson that's coming out of this for me, and I, and I hope people who are listening, it, it is that it is really, really easy without defining those terms to get sucked into running a business that you end up potentially hating and certainly resenting and that takes from you far more than you get out of it. Yeah, I think that the risk is that um, being a director on your own in a business or a sole business owner, whether you've got a team working for you, with you, or whatever, if you are running that business alone, it's an incredibly lonely place to be, especially if things start to get difficult. Now, we all have come under pressure from different ways within our business. And it's as soon as that pressure starts to build, when it becomes lonely, it becomes difficult. Because even if you're, you've got a spouse or a partner who is hugely supportive, they are not in that business with you. They don't necessarily understand how you're feeling at three in the morning when you wake up in a cold sweat because the cash isn't there or you, know, you haven't been able to get that supplier sorted or whatever it may be. Um, and I think that is the huge benefit of having somebody alongside you that is that motivated as well. Um, and it can, it is massive help to have somebody external that can actually act as a conscience. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very lonely place to be. Yeah, it's having someone to guide you and nurture you and help you mm -hmm. it, it is enormously important for a business owner. Yeah, otherwise you end up that your clients and customers drive your business and direct your business rather than you directing it and that's where as you nearly discovered yeah with that, with that. yeah and that's where we fell down the last time because we actually the more the more we were able to give a fantastic service to clients the more they wanted it um and so that's why we ended up doing the the really long hours because we were trying to say oh, we can do this and we can do this and we can do this this time we don't do payroll, don't do bookkeeping. We've stripped it down. We know what we do. We don't do more than that. Um, and so, yeah, we are, it is much more around our terms. And it, but, it, you know, it is hard to, to keep that restriction. So just to start closing this off then, uh, it's a question I ask um, everybody that comes on the show. Um, and you've kind of answered the question and you, you two are in this very privileged position where you've actually had the opportunity to ask this question of yourselves already, but it, it, I think it'd be a, a good kind of close off. But, um, so if, if you could go back to day one of starting your business with the knowledge that you have in the bank now, and you could, you know, you had 30 seconds with your past self on day one you're sitting there an empty desk no clients you know the phone hasn't started ringing yet you haven't got a marketing strategy you've got no idea how to sell but yay a business owner um what what would your be your kind of key one at the most two pieces of advice that you would give that past self knowing what you know now as far as i'm concerned it is very simple two words don't compromise mm. 
and, and that uh, that works in so many ways. I mean, even going back to the very, very first bit, the first business we had that I bought off my old boss, I compromised on the first recruit, yeah. and I wish I had. So going back to me in 2002 when I bought that business, that those two words, don't compromise, I think are vitally important because a compromise never works. Yeah, both people end up unhappy, yeah. 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 I think you'd probably guess mine. Um, and that's that you always have a choice. Um, and that's the thing I didn't realise and I don't think we realised when we started to talk about selling the first business I don't think, if, if someone had said to me three months prior to that, that we could extricate ourselves, I would have laughed because we, it was so ingrained and, you know, everything that we did revolved around that business. Um, and I didn't, I don't think I really believed that it was possible. But actually, having done that, I now strongly believe that actually anything is possible if you've got the right people around you to support you, to supplement your knowledge and experience, you always have a choice. It just depends on how much you want, whatever that is, whether that's business-wise or personally. Um, if you want something, you absolutely can do it. You just have to work out what you need to get you there and to break it down and everything else. But ultimately, it would be you have a choice. Super. Well, it's been lovely chatting to you and seeing you again. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen you, actually, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, been, that's been really good. So if people want to, I mean, we'll put your details on the podcast, but if, if what we've spoken about has piqued people's interest, what's the simplest, quickest way of getting in touch, assuming you take them on as clients, obviously, <laughs> and they pass your, pass your filter? <laughs> if we just go to the website, which is baronofassociates.co.uk, and there's loads of ways to get in touch with us from there, including telephone number top right on the homepage. So yeah, nice and easy. Super. Well, thank you ever so much for your time today. That's been really, really cool. Uh, yes, brilliant great. talking to you. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks, Thanks Ash. Ash. Excellent.